0: All right, we're back at it. Hope you and yours
1: had a happy and safe July 4th. It is exactly July 5th now, and uh, we're in the studios of WNSP for the next three hours right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. Got another good one for you. And back in the saddle after an extended break, Mr. Lee Cervanian.
2: Yeah, I used to be a proponent of the four-day week. I'm looking at three now. You like I like the three. You like the three-day week? I like the three, yeah. Okay. Still recovering from all the fireworks last night. Uh, I didn't know if it was a thunderstorm or fireworks. I'm guessing it was fireworks, but there's quite a few in and around our neighborhood. So you didn't shoot any? I don't shoot any of that stuff anymore. Used to? Used I'll to, not used anymore. To. Yeah, I was, to, um, th- I was listening to the Braves game last night. Of course, they had their nine-game win streak in. But they were talking about fireworks, and they were comparing, and I— I have kind of lost sight of Roman candles. Yeah. What the the play by play announcer Brandon Garden said. He said th- the Roman candles like used to be the big thing, but then there's very little to it once it's let off. Is that I don't remember. I thought Roman candles were the ones that gave off that big spark, but he said they're like a dud. Once you let them go, they they don't do anything.
1: Roman candles were the uh, uh, the. You are supposed to put them in the ground. We used to hold them. That's they what I thought. They used to fire the, ground, the, right. the light, the balls. <laughs> you remember? You used to go. <laughs>
2: remember?
1: You don't remember that?
2: Oh, I remember. I, I'm yeah. just admiring your uh, style. By my sound effects? Yes, exactly. Well,
1: uh, you didn't give me a whole lot of time to prepare. I didn't think we were going to be talking Roman candles right off the top. But, yeah, those were uh, those were a household favorite back in the day with the Hans.
2: Yeah, we used to uh, – yeah, we sure we did uh, get one, get buy one, get four free. Yeah, used to
1: come in a, in a pack. You could probably. Well, ours came in a pack.
2: I don't know if you're aware of this, but a number of uh, a few football coaches used to have run these things during July 4th. So coaches that you're very familiar with. I'll tell you off the air their names. And, you know, I'd go out there and they'd be very generous. They were illegally selling sub- fireworks. They 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 were in charge. They, yeah, they were selling fireworks. Uh huh. Wow. There was one down in uh, Baldwin County, right near the state line uh, to Florida, and then there's some out in Tillman's Corner. But here, I'm going to give you a name. You know, we talk about c- competition and everything, and of course, I know you want to talk about your favorite athlete of all time, Joey Chestnut, uh, as he uh, recovers from another win. But have you ever heard of uh, Sen? And I, I I apologize. I know I'm saying her name wrong. She's Ethiopian, Senberry Teferi, you're not familiar with her. I am not. I'm, I wasn't either until this morning. Okay. So she was the defending champ of the Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta yesterday. Okay. And she was the favorite to win it all. Mark, she is right near the finish line. $10,000 awaiting her. Mm-hmm. She's right near the She's done this before. She's won it. This is not something new. Unfortunately, I guess her GPA wasn't working or whatever. So instead of going <laughs> for the finish line, or GPS, whatever it is, yeah,
1: the GPS, would you have? When you,
2: okay, she veered off course following a police motorcycle. You know how you come to the finish line, and the, and and the motorcycles they kind of veer off, obviously, because they, you know, they're not going to go cross the finish line. She followed it. It cost her. She wound up third instead of first, cost her seven thousand dollars. The ten thousand dollar prize. I mean, you're you're so close to the finish line. You've seen things like this before, and I'm sure this will be uh, certainly uh, talked about or maybe shown. And then she just followed the the police cruiser or whatever away from the finish line. Not a good start. Not a good start for her race. There
1: was no. I wonder nobody waving her saying hey you're going the wrong way well,
2: but she won it last year i mean it's not like this is something new a new course or anything like that she's been there done that won. it's a seven thousand dollar mistake how much does a chestnut get for winning oh any...
1: somebody did wave her the other way i'm watching and oh bro what happened? <laughs> <laughs> she went down she took a right turn okay yeah It's ridiculous. Uh, Did you see the video?
2: I have not seen the video. All right.
1: So she's going down the straightaway. It's a road race. There's a huge banner that says wait for it. Finish. And she's running right there are barricades down the street. There are people along the road. And as you would guess like there's a side street right an intersection where you can turn right if you're a car but that there's no barricade there because you know traffic or whatever. And there was a motorcycle, as you pointed out, going down, and it took a right. So she took a right. But there's this huge big guy screaming at her, no, no, this way. So there's only video of the straightaway. So after about five seconds, you see her come back around. But by then, at least one one runner, if not two, had passed her. Don't.
2: Finished third.
1: Yeah, that's tough.
2: $3,000 could have won 10. Follow the police cruiser.
1: Because there was a competitor that was literally 10 yards behind her.
2: I mean, just think about that. You're that close. Just reach out and cross the finish line.
1: She had about another block to go. She had about a block to go, like a short block.
2: That's tough.
1: But, you know, the whole thing they gave it away was the big sign that said finish.
2: finish that was it. How much does Chestnut get for, besides the belt? Well, how, did uh, they pay him a lot of money for winning? Yes.
1: Um, It's not a huge amount.
2: I'm just curious. I, I did not read into it. I, I
1: think I, it was, I, was it 10 grand?
2: That's what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure. And I just wonder how much you get for all those calories.
1: Um,. I think it was 10 grand. Well, yeah, he got 10 grand. I think the whole purse is 40. What was crazy about this is there was a weather delay and it got reported that it was canceled, like like local ABC7 or something. And then ESPN came back and said, no, oh, no, 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 it's not canceled. And so there's this this image of Joey Chestnut walking back to the stage and he was quoted as saying he's getting the guys together. We're going to do this blanker. Like, he was hell-bent on, on competing. And so, after a delay, which uh, they went ahead and they they did it again. I didn't see it because I thought it was canceled, but apparently Joey Chestnut did his thing.
2: I wouldn't have seen it even if I knew it was going on. There's no way I'm going to watch that. But it wasn't one of his best efforts, but he won. I think his all-time high was 76. He was 62. The one that got me was the the, the female who wins again. They, they both win all the time. Nobody beats them.
1: Is and he the greatest competitor of all time? For food. Just greatest competitor in his field of all time. Show me somebody else who's won 16 titles in a row and has just blown away the competition.
2: You're talking about anything? And anything. Bayside volleyball. But that's a team sport. Mm-hmm. All right. That is. That's a pretty good one, though. All right, so— I didn't realize <laughs> with the female, she won for like the ninth time, and they, they had that one went on a schedule, and then the weather came. So instead of like 39 or 40, 39 and a half. Yeah. So they count has now.
1: They do. They have to. So, Nick, is he the greatest competitor of all time? You're, you're in the superlatives. Listen, greatest competitor ever. What
3: do you think? I don't know if I'd go that far, but fun fact, Joey Chestnut consumed 19,000 calories yesterday in 10 minutes. Yeah. How is he not dead? Part of the champion and the stomach of one, too.
1: Yeah, but 19,000 calories... And he does this every year, multiple times a year. I mean, he's doing other things. How is he not 800 pounds and how has he not died of a massive well, coroner? We don't
2: know what his regimen is Does he work out? Does he uh, take cholesterol pills? I don't know what he does. I mean, <laughs> these are things I do and— I don't know if he does. I haven't seen him, so I don't know. Is he overweight? Is he I've a i have I mean he's a big guy, but I he's know. not
1: he's not grotesquely like Right, not he's four hundred pounder
2: or anything like that. If yeah. they well, find Pepto in your bag, is them. that
1: like finding pe- PEDs? It's a good call. <laughs> like can they can they can they take that type of medication before is that considered cheating? Can he take antacids and and uh <laughs> I would
2: certainly after it
1: so uh yeah somebody broke down i'll have to look somebody broke down all the like not only his caloric intake but the amount of cholesterol and sodium and all that and it's just it's outrageous but how is it seems like any other ordinary red-blooded american male would be dead i mean how would you like to be that man's cardiologist i mean what do you tell a dude nice work for not dying what do you tell him? Yeah. it
2: yeah, cut back a little bit.
1: Well, he did. He only ate 62 as opposed to 76.
2: There you go. See? Just cut back.
1: And it's weird because he does, like, maybe jaw he was... exercise, like, when he warms up. You know how, like, athletes yeah. are always warming up? He does all these
2: weird, like... Do you think the delay, the delay helped him? He walked around, build up an appetite? No, I
1: think it hurt him. I think he was off his game. He even said he was off his game because he only ate
2: 62. Yeah, the other guy, the com- guy who finished second, I think it was, what, 49, 49 and a half? So it was somewhat competitive. Whatever happened to the guy that— Kobayashi. Yeah, what's he doing?
1: He's on his—he does a different league. He's uh,
2: Different league? <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> like
1: this is—he uh he, he can't compete in the was, Nathan's Hot Dog because some sort of contract he signed. <laughs>
2: So they have different leagues now for food. Yeah, it's starfish. like
1: international stuff. He doesn't compete at the Nathans.
2: So where does Joey go from here? Does he go to a hamburger eating contest or he Rids does it all, or, man? Or uh tacos or something like that? He's
1: done it all. If there's a if there's a food competition to be had, he's uh he's doing it. So uh all right. So we will continue uh he hold, he holds apparently fifty two major league eating records. Major league eating is a like a, a league. Uh, they couldn't come up with anything more original than Major League Eating. There's Major League Baseball. There's Major League Eating. The MLE, baby. All right. Today, uh, Justin Baker will talk Braves and maybe a little Falcons. We'll do some Chick-fil-A in hour number one. Uh, Davidson head coach Richie uh, uh, Colley is going to join us at 7.
2: They had uh, a uh, their running back committed this weekend.
1: Uh, Ian Thompson will talk some free agency and summer league in the NBA at 7.30. Chris Stewart. The voice of the Crimson Tide at 8 o'clock. And Richie Riley, the South Alabama basketball coach, said for 830. Uh, Got a lot going on today. Hit us up in the app at WNSP.com or give us a call at 694-1055. We're just getting started. Here comes your first scoreboard traffic and weather of the day. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP.
4: Hey, everybody. This is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP
0: 105.15. The pitch. Fry with a line drive to left. Rosario going back toward the line. He can't make the catch. Base hit. Game winner. In the scores, Rosario. David Fry being mobbed at second base.
1: 622, welcome back in. Thanks for hanging with us on this Wednesday edition. It's the opening kickoff.
2: So we're talking off the air. It's a subject we've talked about. Basketball flopping. Yeah. So in this summer league games, which started on Monday, they're experimenting with flopping. So if the uh, official uh, deems it a fact that a, a guy flopped, so the that's a, a one-shot free throw now, plus possession to the opposing team, plus the uh, player who flopped or is accused of flopping, then has an unsportsmanlike Foul. It doesn't count on the total fouls, but he gets an unsportsmanlike foul charged against him.
1: So it's, it's a personal foul, but not a, it doesn't go against—it's not a team
2: unsportsmanlike foul? Unsportsmanlike foul, not a team foul. Just it's on the individual, and it does not count on his number of fouls. Of course, it doesn't oh, matter well, that's in that— stupid. I know, and it doesn't matter in that league because you're, you're entitled to 10 fouls anyway.
1: So if it doesn't count as a personal foul or a team foul, what are we doing?
2: Giving the other team a free throw and possession— Basically, the, and and how do you again? You talk about the mindset of an official. He has to determine now if somebody was really f- flopping and not pushed or shoved or.
1: Well, here's my problem with that. There's there's no consequence for the player that flops. There's got to be some sort of personal consequence, or else he's just going to keep doing it. the 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 idea that the official is going to somehow it's like pass interference to some degree with with not nearly the consequence i'm going to keep doing it until you call it and if you call it it's not like you're going to kick me out of the game it still benefits the defender to flop more so than not to i mean i'm not saying you need to flop up one with 30 seconds left right but during the course of the game show me a reason why it's in your best interest not to flop and based on those penalties there are no it's still better it's 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 in your best interest to try to fool the official now if you get into foul trouble because of it or your team has to you collect team fouls now now you you're giving me a reason to pause but that's that's ridiculous that's just stupid
2: this is just an experiment right now in the summer league which their games began this this uh, Monday and I was I did not know this, but in the summer league, a, a guy can play even with nine fouls. It's the 10th foul before you get ejected. And I think I saw where Brandon Miller had seven in his first game. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, That part doesn't bother me nearly as much. It's summer. I think you're still trying to figure things out. It's, it's about trying to understand what's going on. I mean, I don't love it, but I, I don't – I mean, I ain't, I'm i not going to fight that. I, I'd 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 certainly pick my battles, but – they, they, they have to come up with a better way if they're going to enforce flopping. I know it's early, but I'm sure they'll do better
2: before it gets, it's before just, it gets uh, real. It's just another little, uh, uh, let's say, item that an official has to be concerned about now. There isn't enough that they have to be involved with. Now they have to figure out the mindset. Was that guy really flopping? That, uh, is it reviewable? I don't know. I, I I'm I'm you. thinking
1: now it it that might become the tougher call to make. Everybody talks about the block charge being the toughest call in basketball. That might become the because you again you're you're trying to you're trying to judge intent.
2: Yeah, like what for instance, let's say a guy and he falls down and the official maybe from the other side doesn't see that maybe he was tripped over. Yeah or pushed, or slightly nudged, okay? Yeah. And then he's calling a flop. Now, does it really matter? Well, if you lose by one point, yeah, I guess it would be. But, uh, again, this is just an experiment. Don't know if it'll be during the regular season.
1: Hate it. (laughs) Hate it. Uh, We we went in with a little baseball. I know we're going to talk baseball coming up, but – I saw an interesting tweet because obviously I didn't watch the game, being that it was, you know, America's birthday and all. I'm not watching America's pastime, but uh, the Angels had a scary day. Uh, somebody like time-stamped how it went down. So at 11:45, the Angels announced that Mike Trout fractured the bone in his left hand. At 4:40, Anthony Rendon fouls off a, a ball off his leg, leaves the game, and then at 5:30. Less, less than an hour later, Otani exits uh, with, with, with the trainer. Now, as it turns out, the Otani thing wasn't a huge deal. But if you're an Angels fan or if you're a fan of any team, imagine your three, potentially your three biggest stars exiting or not playing for, for medical reasons. That would be a serious, serious matter of concern for you
2: well i think from this standpoint otani after he had a blister okay he'd given up back-to-back home runs for the first time in his career he develops a blister so now he says he's not going to pitch in the all-star game so obviously i'm sure ratings would be better if they knew otani like last year where he started people want to see him because he's he's so terrific so he says he may dh not sure about that trout's out for 10 days so there's that And Rendon has been injured ever since he signed a contract with the Angels. This has gone nowhere with him. They gave him a bunch of money to leave Washington, and it's just this guy just can't stay away from the injured list. And I don't know if he's going to cost games because he fouled the ball off his shin or something like that. It's very painful. I don't know if he'll be back, but you're right. One, two, three, just like that for the Angels. And this is a big story in baseball. Uh, not so much with us but with baseball because if the angels are out of playoff contention and otani's a free agent and there's all kind of rumors are they going to keep him? are they going to trade him? Uh do you let him stay with the team till the end of the year and risk not getting anything back for him
1: a lot of questions let's see if we can get some answers uh justin baker of 92.9 the game uh over in atlanta is going to join us next uh stay with us we got a little chick-fil-a coming up as well hope you and yours had a happy and safe july 4th give us a shout in the app at wnsp.com it's the opening kickoff stay with us on this wednesday edition
0: Eat there seven times a day, where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right,
1: 6.32, boys and girls, and we going early today with a little fried deliciousness. What do you have for us well, today, Well, I wanted to
2: go early because we have, uh, we're going to talk Braves, and this is kind of like on the Atlanta Braves. Uh, with the All-Star, they have eight going to the All-Star game, barring any injuries or anything like that. That is the most since when? Last time that a team sent eight to the All-Star game. Uh, It it goes back to, I guess, right around, what, 2012, 2011, something like that. But name the last major league team to send eight players to the All-Star game. When you think about it, that's what uh, quarter of the roster pretty much so if you know the answer, six nine four one zero five five. We talk Braves now with Justin Baker from 92.9 The Game. Justin, I hope you had a wonderful July 4th. How are you today?
5: I did. Thank you, gentlemen. I uh, hope you did as well. I'm doing fantastic.
2: You you didn't cover that Peachtree Road Race, did you?
5: No, no. Thankfully, I did not. I have in years past, but uh, the hot it has been lately in this humidity, I'm not sad at all about missing that, but uh, I did see we had an interesting finish with um, a young lady who had an opportunity to win it for the second straight year and ended up following the motorcade, Viren off course, and um, couldn't correct before the end of the finish line, just a couple hundred yards away.
2: Cost her, what, $7,000? And, and again, I know we were going to talk baseball, but I just couldn't help with that story because the, the, the lady, the winner, she's been there and done that. She won it last year. It's not like she was unfamiliar with it.
5: Yeah, no. I mean, she knows where the course is. I think uh, that's just the product of the, um, you know, the, the exertion on your body with the heat and humidity going out there. And she was clearly just following the motorcade. And when they pulled off to give her the open lane for the uh, end of the race, she just was solely focused on that mission. And. Uh, unfortunately, I realized her mistake a little bit too late.
1: Yeah, Justin, you know what kind of frustrated me watching the video was this huge, big banner a f- couple hundred yards away with the word "finish" on it. I-, I could see where that really throws somebody.
5: Hey, look, I'm not one to talk about uh, not <laughs> being able to finish the job or seeing signs right in front of your face. So I'm not going to knock on that Mark. marker. Trust me, I felt you. I said, man, that's that's pretty obvious. But I've missed some uh, some pretty big cues in my life, so I'm not going to sit here and knock on anybody else to do the
2: same. So to baseball fans, Atlanta fans, 20, 40, 50, the numbers thrown around about Ronald Acuna, never done before, before the all-star break. What, 20 homers plus, 40 steals plus, 50 RBIs? This guy's on an incredible run. But I wanted to ask you, because as I watch Braves baseball, is it that necessary for Acuna, Acuna to run that much, to steal that many bases with the kind of hitting. It's not like they play one-run games a lot. With all the heavy hitters in that lineup, um, look, I I give him a lot of credit. I'm not trying to take away from it, but, you know, I'm wondering down the course of the season, that long season, how he'll feel going into postseason.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And we saw over the weekend, uh, or earlier this week, I should say, he actually stole a base and hurt his shoulder. Um, you know, back on Monday night. So he was able to stay in the game. Obviously, was able to play last night. But that's the concern that you have, is the more action on the base pass that you're going to have, the more opportunity you're going to have for injury. And I think that's the thing that they need to be careful about. Um, For Acuna, though, is it necessary Um, I think sometimes you can look at it as, you know, if he's still in second or even third in situations where it's available, I mean, you take the open base because then you're a base hitter away from being able to drive in a run. Um, Do I think he'll continue at that pace? Not necessarily. He's on pace to have, I think, 74 stolen bases by the end of the season. Um, I can see it being somewhere in the – High 60s, maybe. Um, but I don't know if you're looking at 75, 80 stolen bases out of necessity. But when you are at the top of the lineup and the way that Brian Snickers has been able to shake up the lineup so he doesn't have Matt Olson there in that second spot, uh, who's kind of feast or famine with home runs or strikeouts, it allows you know the guys like Ozzy and Austin Riley, and those at the top of the lineup, to be able to be a base hit away from driving them in. Uh, and honestly, Lee, I just look at it as he kind of sets the tone. He gets on base. He distracts the pitchers. They know he's going to be looking to run. And it just kind of sets in motion what has been a prolific offense for the Braves this year, um, as far as runs scored. So I think him still getting on base and trying to swipe it back is kind of setting the tone uh, for the rest of the lineup.
2: Years ago, I went to a, uh, a minor league game, Pensacola. We went because they were playing the Braves farm team. I guess it was Mississippi in those days. And, This guy was playing like Ozzie Albies. I I had heard the name, but I didn't know much about him. And I'm looking at him. I don't think the guy's much taller than me. Certainly not taller than Mark. He's, what, about 5'7", 5'8", maybe? I'm just curious, (laughs) watching him hit two home runs last night, how does he do it? He's got, what, 22 home runs. Where does he get that power from?
5: Yeah, that deceptive pop that he has, and it's stronger from the left side of the plate. I think that's the funny part is, you know, I remember watching him, like you mentioned, it was in Mississippi. I was still with the Bay Bears. And then um, I got to fill in for the Braves broadcaster when they made the playoffs in 2016. And it was more of the same. He actually uh, broken his elbow during that postseason uh, on a swing, mind you. So um, certainly has a lot of power behind that swing. Uh, just a guy that does everything right, you know, outside of the, the baseline as far as taking care of his body, eating right, working out. Um, certainly a lot of upper body strength and just does a great job of turning his hips. Um, it's a guy that they saw as you know being a potential you know middle of the road power hitter, maybe you know fifteen to twenty five whole months a season, uh, he's been able to get up over thirty the last couple of years and certainly on pace to do it again um it's a It's a nice weapon to have to have a powerful second baseman even though he you know is we're probably the same height uh five foot nothing but um, it works out well, and I think he's certainly been an asset. But not only that, again, just setting the tone with him at the top and Ronald Acuna, and you look at the entire Braves infield going to the All-Star game. I know some of that is voting, but a lot of that's by by peers and also by the selection from uh, the coaches and the media. So um, with the Braves right now, you know, one through nine, it's pretty formidable. And then you look at that entire infield. I know Ron Washington, infield coach, former manager, of the uh, Texas Rangers, took me two straight World Series. He's got to be feeling good about having that entire uh, infield representing the not only the Braves but the National League going into the, the Seattle All-Star game, and it all starts with Alba who's right up the middle of the second.
2: I was curious because you've done a lot of baseball, minor league baseball, and, and, and you've been associated with the game for a long time. So if a player, let's say from Latin America, whether it's Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, or something like that, if he disagrees with a call and says something in Spanish, does the um, plate umpire know what he's saying?
5: <laughs> um, I can't speak for every home plate empire, but more often than not, uh, yeah, there's certain words you pick up on, and you know, I think a, there's a common misconception with uh, maybe a Latin American, you know, player or any player that's that's bilingual. Um, you know, being able to not speak English. And I've said this before. I mean, you guys will see it on the interviews with, you know, any any major league broadcast, if they interview a player that's uh, first language is Spanish, they usually have the interpreter in the interview and on the field. And what a lot of people don't realize is the actual athlete themselves can almost fully understand the question that's being asked of them. They usually will speak a lot of English inside the clubhouse. The interpreter is literally there because it's easier to, Uh, have them give the answer that they're wanting from Spanish to translate it to English because what they're trying to say won't always translate as well. I remember Andrew Jones talking about that a lot uh, when he was coming up from Curacao, um, how, you know, trying to get the right words to get the right meaning. So that's really what that's for. But when you're talking about a guy behind the plate, I think more times than not, um, they're actually going to say it in English. But for those that want to say it in Spanish, there's a pretty good chance that the umpire knows exactly what you said or at least what the intent was behind what you were trying to say.
2: All right, I don't want to be sacrilegious on this, and I was kind of contemplating how I would ask this, but when I see Ronald Acuna play, he reminds me of Willie Mays power, right handed hitter, fielding, running, stealing bases, throwing. And I started to think about this because there's no doubt that Henry Aaron is the greatest brave ever, obviously, you know, with what he's done. But, as far as mastering the five pluses in baseball, all five, is a and if he stays healthy, is he right up there if he's you know long career if he stays with the Braves and everything with all the things he does on the field and i'm and he's masterful at all five of them,
5: yeah, I mean, it's always hard to compare, I think, when you're talking about the guys in today's game versus you know the greats that have come before them just because of the way that the game has changed, right, whether it be Uh, size of the ballpark, density of the balls, Um, the the approach. I mean, you know, Willie Mays wasn't playing with the time clock back then. Um, You know, the bases weren't necessarily a little bit bigger. Now, do I think that the bases being bigger is going to have guys stolen bases up, you know, astronomically, it's giving them an advantage, not necessarily. We're talking about a couple inches. What this has done has been to incentivize, you know, a base runner to be able to go. The whole idea of a pitcher only being able to check back, does that have an impact? I think it does um, to a degree. I don't know that it's going to up a guy's numbers more than, let's say, five to ten stolen bases in a season. But when you're talking about the raw talent and the five tools of the game, um, I do think you can compare him with Mays in that degree just because it's uh, something that's uh, really real in baseball. We have guys that are power hitters, guys that hit for average but not power, You know, guys that are great defensive players but aren't always going to bring it with the lumber. But for him to be able to possess all those tools, like you mentioned, the arm and right field, to be able to gun a guy down, um, who's trying to just simply tag up from third and score from home. Um, these things are, are a rarity, and I think that's what the Braves found. Other teams passed on him. Like the Colorado Rockies had a chance to sign him. Other teams went with him but didn't had a, had a bad agreement about money. And at the end of the day, Ronald decided to go with the Braves because he was tired of going back and forth on money and what his true value was. And I think uh, for him to have one of those team-friendly contracts in baseball, if you're talking about what Atlanta's paying versus what they're getting back, uh, just his talent on the field makes him a lot of fun to watch. I think he's a lock for the National League if he can stay healthy. Um, but to be able to compare him to Valley Mays, I'm sure, is a, a hell of a compliment for him. And he's been able to back it up with his play, and he's certainly invaluable when you think about everything he brings to their lineup each and every night And the production level that you're getting out of a guy at a really good uh, discounted
3: hometown price.
2: Okay, uh, not being from Atlanta, but just from afar, I always thought of Atlanta as a sports city. Georgia was easily number one. Today, how would you rate Braves, Falcons, Georgia as far as owning the sports city?
5: Oh, it's Braves, 100%. Um, You know, it's funny. I would have told you five years ago it would be uh, Braves, maybe Atlanta United, the MLS team, just because, I mean, they're one of the few MLS teams that can pack 70,000 into Mercedes-Benz Stadium for a soccer game, which is kind of unheard of in the South. But it's the job that Arthur Blank, who owns both the, the major league franchise for soccer and obviously the Atlanta Falcons, what he's been able to do and the people that he's assembled. I think that there's more excitement this year around the Falcons um, uh, nationally, it's still going to be a joke. I think, I mean, Mark will tell you a lot of people are still living in the 28 to 3 world outside of Atlanta. Uh, in Atlanta, they're not there. So if you're asking me to rank probably level of excitement, it's 100% the best team in baseball right now, the Atlanta Braves, uh, followed by the Atlanta Falcons and what they have hopefully coming up in the next few years to get back to competitive football. Uh, and then I'd say the Hawks and probably Major League Soccer.
1: Justin, thank you so much for getting up early with us, especially a day after holiday. Man, that is commitment. We love it. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll do it again soon.
5: Sounds good, guys. Have a great rest of your fourth week.
1: Yep, you too. That's Justin Baker, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We get a winner on the uh, on the uh, giveaway.
3: Did you say anything? Yes, we did. Oh, there. Sorry, it. my mic fell. Ryan is our winner
1: congratulations ryan you got a little chick-fil-a compliments of wnsp
2: texas rangers in 2012 were the last team to send eight to the all-star game hooray all right
1: uh when we come back we
2: will uh hear
1: from you at six nine four one oh five five uh coach carley over at davidson he's going to join us coming up at seven ian thompson on the nba and uh Freed and signing summer league. He'll join us at 730. Chris Stewart and Richie Riley in our number three. But we wrap up our number one next here on a post-July 4th celebration right here on the sports station WNSP. I, 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 I,
6: I. This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP
0: 105.5 Roll Tide and God bless Buns in 10 minutes for his 16th win. I give you the number one ranked eater in the world, Joey Chestnut.
1: So the intro, his intro is very uh like boxing-esque. Like this dude just went all in with this huge intro for Joey Chestnut. Makes you want to run through a wall, but Joey doing Joey things. He's got no competition. He's clearly the most dominant competitor in the history of
2: competition. Uh, Notice I haven't said sport. Oh, oh, good. Okay. I, I, I say well, okay. competition. Because then I started to think. I, I knew you were going to come up with this, so I started to think. How about, like, what was it Rocky Marciano was like 49 and nothing in boxing or something? But you said non-sports. So. He,
1: he can do it. He's, he's versatile. He'll, he'll put down any food you want and he's uh would
2: you ever attend something like that yeah, i've heard i would I wouldn't I, be in the front what, row how could you enjoy I've heard so many commentators say it's so gross and ugh, watching somebody gobble down that much food and so forth like that you'd enjoy that
1: i'd 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 go check it out out of curiosity I wouldn't be like Yo, I gotta get up at 6 a.m. because I gotta be the first one in. I gotta get my spot. But no, if I was walking by and they're like, oh, Joey Chestnut's competing, I'd be like, yeah, let's hang out and
2: see what this is all about. Would you go up for his autograph?
1: Probably not. I'm not an autograph guy. Here's the question though. Do you do you guys think that right after a competition, if you challenged him to an eating contest, five minutes? Three minutes, ten minutes, whatever. Could you beat him in an eating contest right after he competed, do you think?
2: I don't think so. Well, again, let's draw back on this. I couldn't.
1: Right, that's what I'm asking. Because I there's no couldn't. way you'd beat him straight up. But no. But could you
2: beat him? No, no way. I, if first someone of all,
1: put like 20 dogs in front of you and says, first, first of all, one to knock these down wins, could you beat him, Nick?
3: Yeah, because I think he'd throw up. That's what I'm betting on. And that would lead to disqualification. We read the rules on Monday. If you yak, you're out.
2: Did you know that? I did not know that, nor do I care, because I don't care about these food eating contests.
1: You brought it up.
2: I know I did, but I want to see your reaction. Would you go? I wouldn't. Would you? First of all, I don't even, if I was in a food eating contest, I'd want something I'd like to eat.
1: Okay. What would you like to eat? Fish. M&M's. M&M's.
2: I could swallow (laughs) M&M's. That's about the only thing I probably could compete in.
1: All right. Do you think that after a hot dog eating contest, after he competed and put down 62 hot dogs in 10 minutes, he was walking off stage and you're like, hey, chestnut. Chestnut. You and (laughs) me now. M&M's. Five minutes. Who can put down the most? Let's go. And
2: he'd be like, yeah, let's do it. No, he'd beat me.
1: He'd beat you? Oh, yeah. He's
2: trained. He's well trained. I couldn't do it.
1: I don't know. He does that whole thing where he, like, shoves food down his throat. Yeah, I, I feel like the it. M&Ms, man, he'd, he he might choke on those.
3: I don't know. I think you could swallow the M&Ms whole. Pretend they're, like, pills. Yeah. Pretty much. Just wash them down with a little water instead yeah. of dunking
1: your uh, yeah. hot dog well,
3: what bun. Would be your,
2: what would be your food of choice?
1: French fries. Serious? No. Well, I mean, are we going for taste, or are we looking for the easiest way to put down as much
2: they, as possible? That would seem so. Both. With something on it, like ketchup or something? Salt. Or? <laughs> oh no! Oh my gosh! <laughs> if you really asking for it, uh, does he when he eats the hot dogs are they with mustard on it or anything or it's just plain? They are not. But oh no, he the dips r- them in water, right?
1: The r- yes, the rule states that you can add anything you want. You just can't uh, take anything off. So you have to eat the bun. You have to eat the. the but he
2: dip? Doesn't he dip them into he does. water? He does. You sound like a guy that's watched this from time There's to time. No way. That's not going to happen. Hmm. And like I said, I didn't even know it was postponed till later in the day so
1: someone in the app said they were more impressed with how many dogs the girl ate than, than he did so what
2: would, would the women's 39 jam- and a half but she's yeah. been she's got nine titles she's a she's right up there I mean as far as com- food eating competitors from the women's standpoint, nobody can compete with her
1: Well nobody can comp- we need to get.
2: Well, you got we go to go? We need to.
1: We need to unify the belts.
2: Exactly. That's the thing you're saying. Because I don't to bring know what the Kobiachi's WBC doing. and the
1: IBF or whatever those things are called. And we need to bring them together. And for a pay per view event, George Washington Carver can promote it. Of Rocky Five fame, he looked at me like he didn't know what I was talking about. That was my Ruby reference for the day. Oh, and wow. we need to do the. What? Well, how would we? How would we promote this? What would we call it? Um. We could market this worldwide. Kobayashi versus
2: Chestnut. Chestnut. They did compete against each other years ago yes before he ventured off into another league. And he won. Who did? Kobayashi.
1: Yeah, but uh, Chestnut has a 3-2 advantage over Kobayashi. Oh, he does? Yeah, we covered this on Monday. We got. Right, we sorry. did a deep,
2: deep, deep, I deep had, dive into the yeah, I hot dog would. eating contest. I've, I had other issues. You. You were...
1: You were feeling the effects of an eating contest (laughs) without actually eating. Oh, yeah. I would not want to be around the Chestnut House a day after an eating contest. No, thank you.
2: I bet it's amazing.
1: You think amazing? I bet you that's one word for
3: it.
2: What do you think he has the next morning when he gets up for breakfast? A light salad.
3: Imagine being in LeBron's house right after he won
1: the finals. I bet it's
3: electric. Electric.
1: I'm thinking we're feeling too – but do you think he's all that excited? Do you think like LeBron? Sure, but do you think Chestnut goes home and parties for winning? Like he knows he's gonna win. Yeah. You think it's a big celebration because he's won his sixteenth straight title? When you're great, you're great. And you don't have to. You don't have to celebrate it because no, you know. You do. What's he doing? I mean, he's having a light salad with a little balsamic vinaigrette on it. Ah man, he's probably knocking back dogs. Ugh. Yeah. We all right, we need a good name. We need a good name for the made for TV event, pay per view only. Chestnut and
3: uh Kobayashi. And we get Oscar Meyer to sponsor it.
2: Yeah. Well, I would think Nathan's would want to be involved if it is hot dogs, unless th- it's a different... No, they
3: already they already got the 4th of July deal. That's why I'm thinking we market it to Oscar Mayer, try and get some of their other deli meats some love, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we'll think about it. I We'll come up with some good... Uh, hmm. I don't know, I'm not prepared for such a... Uh, creativity this early in the morning i think there should be
3: multiple rounds different food each round maybe they spin like a giant wheel with food on it yeah and whatever it lands
1: on is what they have to eat i like it and then you build up so you do like we'll do like you do like a game show you only get so many points for the first few rounds but then it doubles as we go and so like the first round it's like all right eat roast beef for a minute and then you winner gets, like, two points. And then you go to round two, and the point value doubles, and you have to do a minute of Skittles. <laughs> <And> maybe <laughs> each round there's a
3: different game. So yeah. maybe one round it's, like, find the cheeseburger, and it's hidden in a bunch of other food. Yeah. So you have to eat or your way through to find the
2: cheeseburger. Or elevate. For instance, you start out, okay, you can start out with your hot dog playing, but then the next round let's say, sauerkraut you have to have on it. And the next round, you put ch- the chili sauce or whatever. So you just keep advancing with different uh, condiments. What,
3: I- what if you have both eaters on a platform, they're being weighed down by trays of food that are equivalent to their body weight, and the opposite person has to eat the food off their opponent's tray to throw the weight off and drop them into a bucket of
1: ketchup eat food off each other i'm, I'm thinking no, this is no a no, whole he said the
3: tray. <laughs> no no,
2: genre no, no. Stuff. <laughs> oh that's what i heard he, no he said off the tray
1: oh okay i was like i'm not sure the uh, i'm not sure what. after might be FX code. after dark or something all right we're going to talk uh, local high school sports next with the davidson high school coach football coach stay with us right here on the sports station wnsp
0: opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee.
1: And just like that, our number two. Hope you and yours had a happy and safe Fourth of July. Uh, we're here. It's the opening kickoff, hour number two. Got a big one for you, and uh, you'll have a chance to chime in here in just a little bit.
2: All right, some of the headlines before we get to our next guest. Uh, we talked about the hot dog eating contest at Nathan's, delayed but not enough to stop Joey Chestnut from scarfing down 62 and winning again for the uh, eighth straight time, 16th overall. And uh, pseudo the female uh, eating uh, professional, if you will, or superstar. I like how they termed it, uh, some of the headlines, eating superstar. Joey Chestnut. Well, pseudo certainly it would fall into that category. She won her uh, ninth title with uh, 39 and a half hot dogs. On the baseball scene, the Atlanta Braves' uh, nine game win streak, the longest uh, going these days, was ended yesterday in 10 innings. And Otani had to leave the game with a blister in the sixth inning after giving up back to back home runs. And because of that, He may not pitch in the All-Star game next Tuesday. We had some recruiting news. There's that receiver, five-star receiver, who was an Auburn target out of central Phoenix City. His last name is uh, Coleman. And uh, Cameron Coleman has committed to Texas A&M. And over the weekend, there was a pretty significant uh, announcement from Davidson High School right here in Mobile. Rick Hawley's the head coach. I'll hit him talk about it. Rick, good morning. How are you today?
7: I'm doing great. How are y'all?
2: How was your July 4th?
7: Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, got to get on the grill, get the morning run in, uh, do a little swimming, and watch Joey Chestnut dominate.
2: <laughs> so you watch that?
7: Oh, yeah. Joey Chestnut is uh, right up there with the greatest American ever, right under Ben Franklin.
2: I didn't see this one coming. I really didn't. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, Mark had an interesting note. Could you, after he won, let's say you competed against him in an eating contest. Could you beat him after he already won the, with the 62 hot dogs if they won an extra round?
7: Uh, No. I... I, I... I couldn't eat all that bread. There's no way I could eat wet bread ever. Uh, so I, wouldn't, I would not be able to compete with uh, Chestnut in that regard.
2: Well, your main interest is competing on the gridiron this year, and you have a great running back in Butler. Tell us who he is committed to, and then also I want you to expound upon what caught my attention is when you said he's the best running back you've ever coached, and you've coached a lot of really good running backs in this area.
7: Yes, sir. Uh, He committed to Coastal Carolina uh, Sunday, and uh, we're very proud of him. Happy for him. Uh, He went on a visit there and loved it. Uh, Liked being that close to the beach and still being away from home. You know, so uh, he he was happy with his decision, and we're excited for him. And and he is—he is uh, an amazing running back. And. Uh, you know, I have been very fortunate in the city of Mobile to coach some good ones, and, and he he has the uh, he has the ability to go all the way doing this. So, uh, you know, we're happy for him and glad he's on our team.
2: Talking about Derek Butler, what makes him so special though? Because like I've seen a lot of really good running backs out of Davidson High School, who obviously you didn't coach, but you had several at Murphy that you did.
7: Yeah. Uh, so so DJ is. Uh, one thing that he does is he, he doesn't just jump out into space you know when when a hole opens up he he's very good at hugging obstruction and kind of staying hidden and the one thing that he does is he's going to turn that what you know most kids is a 15 yard gain he's going to go score and uh that's that's the biggest thing that you know coached a lot of kids that were great running backs and you know, some of the quarterbacks we had at, at Murphy that were great runners. You know, K.J. May was a great runner. Uh, Dupreece Turner was a great runner. And uh, they had that, too, where they could just go score. But uh, just pure running back, the things he can do out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, you know, he's a good blocker and uh, very durable. Uh, he, he can handle 25 carries a game. And uh, he's a big, fast kid. He's a, He's got all the tools.
2: So I assume the offense will revolve around him this year, this fall. Uh,
7: yes, sir. Uh, we 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 like to run the football. We've got another running back, uh, Edward Harrison. So we're kind of a two-back offense, and uh, yeah, he's very good as well. Uh, he had six seven hundred yards last year and has really developed. And uh, he's a little bigger. You know, he's about two hundred and ten pounds, and DJ is about 190, 195 pounds. So between the two, uh, we like to run the football and. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to throw it a little more this year. But uh, th- those two are our main focus for sure.
2: You caught me when we were talking about him being recruited to Coastal Carolina. We don't see that very often down here where a, a, a student athlete commits to Coastal Carolina. Uh, I'm assuming there was more to it than just a beach nearby, right? I'm assuming.
7: Yeah, you, you, and you never really know because you know, I didn't go on the – Uh, visit with them up there. You know, obviously that's family. uh, But sometimes, you know, a player will just click with the staff or just the whole environment, and I think that's what happened there. Uh, And, you know, I think there was a desire to to go and see some other parts of the world. Uh, You know, they obviously are going to play a little bit different schedule and get out of the the deep south a little bit. So I think uh, that played a lot uh, into it as well.
2: Well, they've been very strong program in the Sun Belt, no question about it. And Derek had a lot of offers, uh, including uh, some around this state for sure. So tell me, what do you got planned for your opening game at the new stadium?
7: Uh, we're hoping to create a really fun environment. You know, we, uh, Coach Ferris runs our PA, and, uh, you know, Tim Finnegan does our social media, and uh, Jason Richardson, our principal. We've all been meeting, and we're trying to create just a fun environment. Uh, and get people out there and have a good time and win some football games.
2: So your your first game I, is a home opener? Is that the first one?
7: It, we play uh, Baldwin County in a preseason game, and then we play Hillcrest Evergreen. Uh, so the first two are at home. Um, you know, things we've never been able to do before, like a meet the warrior night where we're, you know, get the officials out and scrimmage and introduce the team and the band and the cheerleaders and all those kind of things that Uh, other people do and i guess take for granted we're gonna get to do it now we're really excited about it stadium's beautiful they did a great job with it uh it's it's been amazing
1: coach congrats man we're looking forward to the upcoming season should be a good one uh enjoy the rest of your week and we'll be in touch yes sir thank y'all for having me absolutely rick carley ladies and gentlemen over at davidson all right you guys can jump in 694-1055 is the number if you want to get in on all the uh Fun that uh, you had over the week or, or the last couple of days. We certainly want to hear from you guys. Uh, the hot dog eating contest certainly a a topic of conversation. We were asking, could you beat Joey Chestnut if he just got finished? If he had just finished the hot dog eating contest, coming off the stage, and for ten grand, you would go against him in any food you wanted. Could you beat him after? He put down the 62.
2: I was trying to think. I, I told you there's no way I could, but now I'm thinking, how about if before he went against me, he had to drink that prep that I did hmm. with, to give me a little bit of an advantage. Um. And after, after drinking that prep, then have to start eating hot dogs again. Because uh. as you guys said, if something – if you hack it up, you lose. He's
1: a competitor, man. He would he would still win. You know what? He would – it would actually help him. There would be more room. I'm pretty sure he'd just be sitting there on the can just putting down hot dogs.
2: I'm not talking about that part. I'm just saying the first part about drinking that stuff, and you've tasted it before, so you know what I'm talking about. If that wouldn't make you, let's say, throw it up, I wonder what would. That would be the only way I could beat Well, I mean, it wouldn't make
1: you. I mean, it would make you come out, but but through the back door, right? I mean, no, we're I'm, not.
2: I'm thinking the front door. Did that
1: make you vomit?
2: Came close, huh? And I
1: wasn't eating anything. All the video opportunity here at WNSP, Nick, and you missed out. You should you should have done the the follow the 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 icon around for a day
3: video on Monday. I feel bad for all our listeners who are consuming their breakfast <laughs> as they're listening <laughs> to the hot
1: dog or or, or Lee's
2: Or my interpretation.
1: Or, or Lee's Monday. Oh not for everybody. Not for everybody. All right. Uh Ian Thompson's gonna join us at seven thirty. We'll do uh, some talk about some uh, NBA free agent signings, and uh, we'll talk some summer league with him, uh, Chris Stewart, and Richie Riley in our number three. Uh, Stephen A. Smith has some interesting comments about the ESPN layoffs. Probably went over like a lead balloon. But he said he could be
2: next. Yeah, what – I saw that, Mark. What – None of the other guys t- who were laid off talk like that. I mean, w- why is he calling attention to himself? I mean, it's not about Kurt him.
1: Stephen A. Smith.
2: <laughs> and that's about. That's why I thought about. Like, what an ego. I mean, I don't. I don't <laughs> watch him. I don't get into it like you do. But you know, all these other people who were laid off, you didn't see them coming out. Oh, why well, could be Nick? You know, like, calling attention to himself. That's what he does all the time. So fine. We'll see. I kind of doubt it. I can't imagine. He's kind of like, isn't he one of their stars, basically? I mean, one of their key talent. And that's what got me the fact that I don't see ESPN letting him go, although I have no idea whether they do or not. And it doesn't matter to me whether they do or not because I don't watch him. But just to come out and make call attention, not about the other people. Oh, oh could be me. You never know.
1: Well, I mean, I've. Yes, to answer your question, he is the face of ESPN right now. But I think the point is they let go some pretty high-profile guys. Gene Wardrahowski, by the way, was the latest revelation. He was let go, and nobody knew until yesterday. He tweeted that he was no longer with um, ESPN. He was not mentioned in that that onslaught uh, earlier, so that was kind of huge. Was it yesterday? Maybe it was two days ago. It blends together now. But he and Pollock... Man, I that game day show took a hit. I was a little surprised that Pollock got left go as let go as popular as that game show that pregame show is. My guess is the whole Pat McAfee edition uh, probably gave them a little wiggle room to let somebody go on that
2: show. The money they're paying McAfee too. I mean, obviously that had a lot to do with letting others go.
1: Uh, well, not nearly as much as the idea that Disney was cutting seven thousand jobs because, as a whole, I mean. What McAfee's contract is is a small pittance of what um of what they're trying to recoup my uh my question is if there was only one person you could let go from college game day assuming they're all still there including Warjohowski and and uh and Pollock who would it be if there was only one person you had to let go from that show now as it turns out they let it go too but so they kept McAfee, they kept Desmond obviously uh herb Street and there's Is Corso, Corso still yeah.
2: on He's still there? He's still there.
1: So uh, who's the who's the one guy you'd let go? If you had to cut one, who'd be the one guy you cut?
2: I don't like to see anybody lose their job, so I probably wouldn't. Okay, to answer your question, though, just because of his age, probably Lee Corso. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I, not that I want to oh, see him go, oh. but I'm just saying who— Ageism. I mean, because— and, and I'm not talking about. Wait a minute, it. Let me draw back on that. It's just more the health issues, because you know he hasn't been there all the time. Um, I don't know what he, the salary and and so forth. I mean, I like Lee Corso a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I'm. Who would you take? I mean, you can't take Reese Davis off. You don't take Herb Street off. Do you take Desmond off? Um, and
1: what? Pro- I'm not as huge. I'm not a big fan of 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 Desmond, but. He gives you the. I'm not a Big Ten guy, but I'm kind of a Big Ten guy feel to that show. Uh, um, and that's why I like Pollock because he was kind of that SEC guy. And I think Herb Street does a pretty good job of kind of running down the middle of the road there. So I thought the three of them together gave good balance. I think people have a problem with McAfee because he's so loud and animated and outlandish. He He's so different than all those other guys.
2: Okay, so... But, yeah, I would... I, would uh, I mean, if you ask that question, the only one I... I don't watch the show because I had another show going on at the same time. I didn't even know McAfee was on that. I'm talking about the, the show ESPN in the morning on Saturday, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, and the, the only four me. that I was aware of... Uh, Desmond, Reese, Davis, Corso, Herb Street, and I guess occasionally Pollock. Uh, but I don't watch it because I'm busy doing another show on WNSP. So who goes then? They already got rid of Pollock, right? Yeah. So it'll be. Uh, so what's your question? No, I asked you. You asked me. Who would you get rid of then? <laughs> who, who do you? Who would you? You watch the show. I don't. Uh, get rid of probably Desmond.
1: Probably Desmond. Does he can't he, get rid of Corso. Does he
2: do it from his house now, or is he actually there? Who? Corso. Does no, he, he does it from there. He. They don't zoom him in it? Okay. No.
1: All right, scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, your uh, phone call's next. Someone said they like Pollock. Macfee's kind of annoying. Yeah. He's certainly an acquired taste. But he brings a certain level of energy that I think ESPN likes. But yeah, getting rid of Pollock probably surprised me more than any other uh, firing that ESPN had in the last week. Stay with us. Plenty left. It's the opening kickoff.
0: Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP-FM 105.5.
8: And Alvarez launches one deep left center. Forget that. That is way here oh wow a monstrous home run by Francisco Alvarez to put the Mets back in front
1: all right 726 you guys can jump in short segment here Ian Thompson coming up here in just a little bit it's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP
2: 467 footer for Alvarez you don't hear the Mets uh talking much about wins lately but they got one yesterday and that's Francisco Alvarez with the uh, go-ahead home run in that game uh
1: so I figured out why Lee wasn't here on Monday. He wasn't in town. Where was I? He was at a big party, apparently. Really? Yes. Well, I must yes, have had such at, a uh, good Michael time. Michael Rubin's
3: uh, white party. He
1: was at Mike Rubin's party. The guy that owns like Fanatics or whatever had this star-studded event. So of course that's where you were. So explain to me though, like anybody who's anybody was there, right? Yeah, Kevin
3: Durant, Leonardo DiCaprio, Ben Affleck, Kevin Hart, Tom Brady, Carmelo Anthony. But there was a a hitch. There was a dress code. Yeah, you had to wear all white, like you're in a Backstreet Boys music video
2: or something.
1: I feel like it's some sort of, like, 16-year-old girl's birthday party.
3: Everybody wear
2: white. It'll be great. Well, that would have been a deterrent for me going, because that's never going to happen. You don't wear white. Oh, gosh, no. Really? Really? Remember the time I gave you all my white shirts that I had, the NSP no. shirts?
1: I just figured you didn't want them anymore.
2: That's because I don't want white shirts. Were they still white? Yeah.
1: Why don't you like white?
2: Oh, come on now. I'm not going to get into that. I just don't care for white shirts.
1: They're, they're f- it's a
3: fairly <laughs> common color. not going to get into it, Mark. But isn't that We're a fairly... we not bringing up that drama and that baggage. That's again. right.
2: I, I don't Did you have back. a bad experience a with bad a white shirt? bad experience is very bad. a bad breakup. Very bad.
1: Did you spill something on it?
2: That happens all the time. But that's not the reason.
3: Look, man, Lee went black and he never went back. <laughs> he's not going back to this white See, shirts, he's observant. Right?
2: He, knows. <laughs> he knows. He knows. He's observant. He doesn't know me that long. He knows. I've been the with blacker you longer, the shirt, the know. sweeter the fit. Uh,
1: I feel like you guys are talking about two different things here. No, <laughs> we're sure. right on.
2: No, we're right on, actually. He's pretty observant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How many times do you think see me wear white? Uh, I guess I never really gave it much thought. No, you don't, because you don't pay
1: attention. Good one. Ian Thompson's next. Stay with us. We'll have to dive into this later. For sure. welcome back in. The opening kickoff, Mark, Nick, and
2: anti-white shirt, Lee Shrevanian. Brandon Miller, first game, he had 18 points in that summer league game. Talks and basketball now with a person I really respect when it comes to anything to do with the NBA, Ian Thompson, a Giltulin alum, based in Boston, veteran NBA reporter, author, you name it, he's done it. Ian, did you have a happy Fourth?
9: I did it was a rainy Fourth up here. How was it down there?
2: Hot, humid, more hot, even more humid. Hard,
9: <laughs> hard to believe.
2: Yeah. Well, you, for, you forget. Don't you ever come back here, ever?
9: It's been a lot. I came back about four or five years ago, but that's it. You know, there wasn't a lot of NBA going on in Mobile, unfortunately.
2: No, it's been a long time. I remember I interviewed Charles Barkley here years and years ago. They had a preseason game uh, they played here. He played at the Civic Center. But that goes back even before he joined the 76ers, I think, or was with the 76ers. He was kind of new to them. So there's been a lot of information coming out these days. Of the free agent signings so far, which have basically captivated you or has got your attention as far as the free agent signing so far?
9: You know uh just because of who is affected by it, um the Lakers really helped themselves. They've added a lot of role players um they've deepened their team they're much more talented than they were. they got a bit of identity last year, right, towards going towards the playoffs um there, after they traded Russell Westbrook away and added some depth um and then they played well, even while LeBron James was injured and those guys got the Lakers into the playoffs without LeBron. And then you add LeBron to the team and they looked like a threat to get to the NBA finals. They didn't have enough, but if LeBron's healthy next year um, and Anthony Davis obviously is, they might have enough to win the whole thing because they've, they've like built on the identity that they had last year. So, to me that's that's a real interesting one for sure.
2: I guess the one of the major storylines to follow now, Damon Lillard says he wants to be traded. What do you see happening and who which teams are actually do you feel in the market for Damon Lillard?
9: You know, he wants to go to Miami. He's listed as the only team he wants to go to, um, and it's going to be, it's all going to hinge on him. Uh, does he want to be controversial here? If if the Blazers look like they're getting ready to trade him to another team, because they can get a better package back from the other team, is Lillard going to come out and say, no, I, I don't want to play for you, don't trade for me? Uh, and is he basically going to cost Portland his former team to which he's been very loyal? Is he going to cost them talent? in return for him it's you know it's going to be an interesting thing because he's always been loved by the portland fans and uh you can sense that it's beginning to turn against him a little bit because now he wants to be traded after all these years my advice to him would be you know yeah you're if if you hold your guns and want to go to Miami yeah they're not going to like it right now but years from now, when you go back to Portland, they're still going to love you. I mean, they love Bill Walton when he came comes back. Um, players get forgiven. The fans see the bigger picture in the end. Uh, this is going to be a hard thing for him to do, but I, I think ultimately he's going to steer his way to Miami, and it'll uh, be a three-team trade. Uh, Miami will send out Tyler Hero, uh, their shooting guard, who was injured uh, this past season while Miami went to the NBA Finals, so they don't even need him. Um, and he's got a a very rich long-term deal that Portland wants nothing to do with. So Tyler Hero will go to a third team, and that team in return will send some draft picks to Portland. It won't be the haul that Portland would like, but um, I think overall NBA fans are going to be happy to see Damian Lillard playing for a contending team. And if he does go to Miami, Miami's going to be really tough because Miami would have Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. That's going to be really hard
1: to beat. Well, Ian, could couldn't you make the case though that Portland failed Lillard? Though in in all the years that he said he wanted to stay with Portland, they just failed to surround him with the 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 proper uh, tools needed to to win championships.
9: For sure, for sure, no, they weren't able to do it. Now, when you're in a uh, a place like Portland, you can't get free agents to come there. Sure, you just can't. They they never want to go there. So you got to do it with the draft, but they were winning pretty much during his prime years, and so their draft picks weren't all that high for the most part. Um, And I think they actually drafted pretty well for where they were. So it was always going to be difficult for them to to build a winning team around them. They were going to have to really get fortunate the way the Spurs did. I mean, look at how the Spurs surrounded um, Tim Duncan. Manny Ginobili, I think, was the 58th pick in the draft. He was second to last or something like that, you know, in the second round and became a Hall of Famer. Tony Parker was the 29th pick, or He was at the end of the first round, one of the last picks in the first round. Not spots where you would think he would get two Hall of Fame players. And without those guys, Tim Duncan's career is Maybe a little bit like Damian Lillard. He probably never gets there. But, so you need, you need that kind of good fortune and great drafting to do it, and, and they weren't able to do it. Um, the, other, the other thing to keep in mind is what Miami's teaching the rest of the league is that there's a lot of talent out there that doesn't get drafted, and if you turn your franchise into sort of an NCAA program, where you teach guys how to play nba basketball when they come in and you look at all the undrafted players that played for miami and got them to the nba finals this past year i just don't know why more teams don't don't do this and just really invest in it and look at themselves not as a franchise but as a program that's supposed to build players because ncaa teams do not do that anymore for the most part i mean they get great players coming in out of high school but they only stay a year or two at most and um and they the level of coaching in the ncaa just isn't what it used to be um which is why the g leagues become so prominent and these other places are are so important to developing players
2: you know another thing too and we talked about you know free agency starting up, out but most of the big time free agents sign with their respective teams they went back to their teams i guess because they get the max money right
9: yeah and exactly that that's it and um you know, they built something, and they want to keep it going. And I think there's a lot of cautionary tales out there of guys leaving to go somewhere else for a bit more money or they think the grass is greener, and it isn't. So, yeah, um, it's it's uh, you, you haven't seen a lot of it. Now, James Harden looks like he wants out of Philly, you know, instead of staying, and the smartest thing for him would be to stay in Philly. That would be his best chance of winning. Mm-hmm. But I think... Once again, he's sort of showing what really managed to him.
2: What do you make of the uh, Golden State Warriors now, the moves they've made? They, bring, they brought back Green. You got Chris Paul. They got rid of Poole. Where do you see this franchise? Are they still a contender? They
9: can be, but they're a year older still, and Chris Paul makes them older. Um, Draymond Green had a really interesting comment. He said Chris Paul is going to bring out the best in their young players. They've got these two guys, Kaminga and uh, Moody, high draft picks from the last few years who haven't panned out yet. And they really need those two guys to become really important role players for them. And they haven't done so. And that would give them some youth, some energy, some athleticism, all that stuff that they don't have. Um and Draymond Green thinks that Chris Paul running the second unit for the Warriors is going to going to bring out the best in those guys and turn them into really important role players for them. And if he does that, then yes, then yes, they're contenders now because now they have a full team and they can play 48 minutes and, um, you know, the starters go out and the bench plays well and keeps the game going for them. But. Without that, they, I don't think they can. I mean, <clears throat> they looked old last year. They weren't able to uh, play well on the road. Um, and being even a year older, I, I think it's going to be really tough for them unless Chris Paul can pull off that magic with those two young guys.
2: Ian Thompson, longtime NBA reporter based in Boston, also author of *The Solo Basketball*, joining us for a few thoughts on uh, the NBA. Did you see in the summer league where they're they're experimenting with this flopping rule? That it could cost. No, it's
9: about time. Yeah. yeah, it's about time you flop, you flop, right? Go ahead and explain. I'm sorry.
2: So, okay. But isn't there already enough on free officials? Now they're going to determine who flopped and who didn't. I mean, you saw a lot of games. Can you tell? You, I know you've been in a lot of games and everything. Can you tell who who's flopping for sure?
9: It is hard to tell unless you're looking at the replay and you're watching it in slow motion after the fact, and then you're saying, oh, this guy definitely. I mean, there are some cases where, for sure, um, it's it's obvious right off the bat. And those those... Those are the ones for sure that ought to uh, get this kind of penalty. And we'll see if the NBA institutes this. They're only doing it in Summer League right now. We'll see if they put it. In. And then I agree with you. There's a lot on the referees already. And it's the hardest game to officiate out of all the pro sports in America because there's just so much gray area built into, uh, built into the game, um, into the way the rules are written. Uh, it's so much a matter of interpretation. And the game is so fast and unpredictable, and these referees have to run up and down the court. Um, they have to run with guys who are in the 20s, and the referees are in their 40s and 50s trying to keep up with these guys a lot. Of them. So I, I do think there's a lot on referees. Um, they'll never make everybody happy, but I I do think something has to be – they have to at least try this to see how it works out because um, – you know, people talk about getting rid of the block charge. I think that would be a huge mistake. That would be a huge mistake. But um, if you're going to keep it, you have to penalize these guys, much the same as you. they've learned to penalize three-point shooters who kick their leg out the way Reggie Miller used to do. And now if you do that, you get you get a foul called on you. They need to do the same thing with floppers.
1: Actually, I made this point earlier, Ian, it it, it could get to the point where this now becomes the toughest call in basketball, right? We always talk about the block charge being the toughest one to to officiate in a bang-bang situation, but because this is intent, right? You're trying to judge intent. This one could potentially be the toughest call in basketball.
9: Yeah, or or yeah, it's like you've you've uh, squared the toughest call in yeah. basketball. Yeah. So the block charge has been squared now, and you it's become multi, uh, multiple times tougher. It's um, not only are you trying to decide it was a block charge, but was the guy flopping on top of it? And,
6: yeah. yeah.
9: And, you know, uh, uh, the player reputation is going to play part of this. You know, if a guy's known to be a flopper like Marcus Smart, um, you know, it, it's it, – it's gonna be called on him more often and imagine a game, especially a playoff game being decided by this, by a technical foul being called and the team goes to the other end and shoots a free throw and wins a playoff game because of a flop. Now it's gonna be another another thing for people to talk about in second guess for sure.
1: And by the way, for the record, I got if if a game is decided because of that scenario that you just laid out, I do not blame the league. I do not blame the officials. I, and I might be in the minority here. I blame the guy that flopped. I mean, that's on you. You know the rules. You gambled. You lost. And I know the narrative will be, uh, "Oh, the NBA's got to fix this, or officials can't make that call in that situation." No, no. That's to me. That's on the guy that committed the foul.
9: I totally agree. And you know, for those of us who also watch soccer, international soccer, and all the flopping that goes on there. Yeah. um, When you watch the two sports, you just you're just overwhelmed by it. Uh, they it's just everywhere. It's all, these are the two most important sports around the world. You know, these are the two biggest sports in every every continent. It's it's a big sport now. Uh, basketball is and soccer is obviously the biggest. And in soccer, it's just impossible for the one referee roaming the field to see all the flopping uh, and to to deal with it. In basketball, it's a much smaller court, and there's three referees. They they can do and they use instant replay much more effectively than they do in soccer. So they can get on top of it in the NBA, and they really should.
2: Hey, let me ask you something. i kind of picking up the first question I asked you. So when you put together the draft, coaching moves, and free agent acquisitions, either keeping your own or getting somebody else in, which team do you think – did the best so far in the off season, all considering all those factors.
9: Jeez. well, you know Phoenix uh, looked like uh, a troubled team with with a lot of stars, but where were they going to go? And they added Bradley Beal, and so now it's a big if. But if Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant stay healthy. Well, they and they keep DeAndre Ayton, and, and he's able to have a, an important role in the command. I'm listening a lot of this here, aren't I? But, but if all those all those things happen, who's going to beat them? And they've added to their bench, even though they didn't have a lot of money to spend on it. They've added to their bench, and, and they look better. Um, and then if uh, the other team, it hasn't happened yet. But if Miami goes out and gets Damian Woodward, Miami has done nothing in free agency basically they've just been waiting for this uh much the same as pat riley waited three years for lebron james build up a strategy over a two to three year period to to get lebron james to come in in 2010 um lebron james and chris bosh while re signing dwayne wade and they won two championships that way if he's able to get amy lillard then miami is really the big winner of this summer, because now they, I I, I just think they're going to be, if, again, if healthy, they're going to be so hard to beat in the playoffs with those three guys. I mean, the number three option becomes Bam, and that's just going to be so hard to stop. They have to go out and get a, a big guy still to deal with Porzingis and the Celtics and uh, the Joker with Denver, but Miami's going to be really, really tough. if They can make it happen, and I think they will.
1: Hey, Ian, thanks so much for spending a little time with us. We uh, we appreciate it, and let's, uh, let's see it again soon. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Yep, Ian Thompson, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, we'll see if we can catch up with Roy Hudson, Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide, and Richie Riley, South Alabama basketball coach, scheduled for hour number three. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The opening kickoff continues right here on the Sports Station. Stay with us. everybody
7: jennifer hale here from the nfl on fox and you're listening to 105.5 wnsp in mobile
10: i know it's not an easy job but there's there's just there's some of the the pitches that got called today just weren't even close and so um it's got to be better you know
1: welcome back in the opening kickoff. We went delayed response just to see if you guys were paying attention, and well done you were. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee wrapping up our
2: number two. We got uh, Roy Hudson ready to go with us. Good, from Community Bank, my good friend Roy Hudson, who navigates Community Bank through the greater Mobile area. Roy, how was your July 4th? What do we need to know about your July 4th?
8: That was uh, wonderful. Just enjoyed family time like probably most everybody else. Uh, Ate a little bit too much, enjoyed some uh, homemade ice cream, and just enjoyed a beautiful day with the family.
2: Did you make the ice cream? Uh,
8: No, actually, my next-door neighbor did, and it was
2: fantastic.
8: (laughs) I'm very pleased with that.
2: Vanilla or different flavors or what?
8: Actually, it was all right. So it was Rocky Road and Key Lime Pie it had two different varieties, and I must say that both of them were uh, were really good. So I was pleased with that aspect of the uh, the fourth for sure.
2: Banks are open today, correct? The uh, Community Bank, and why should our listeners decide yeah. to uh, go along with uh, Community Bank and deposit their money there?
8: All so, right. So I just mentioned family uh, was a big part of yesterday. Well, it's always our, our family here at Community Bank. We uh, There's about 900 of us that uh, just love what we do. And I think that's when you walk in the door, you see that. And I just think how we deliver our products. So I think that's the, the main thing when people walk in and, and, you know, you feel comfortable, you feel like it's family when you walk in. And we provide all the products and services, uh, really good rates, uh, really fast returns on loans. So I just think that makes a difference, and I think that's why people come in to see us, and that's why I invite all your listeners to come in and experience Community Bank.
2: Roy, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, have a great day, and uh, we'll check in with you next week.
1: Sounds great. Thank you.
2: So, did you have a lot of fireworks in your neighborhood yesterday? Last not, night, not
1: a lot, but we had a, a good amount because it's legal now.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Right, I so
1: I think there are more people out there doing it. Uh, I don't know if I had a lot, but I felt like uh, they were closer. If that makes sense,
2: that makes sense. Yeah. So in other words, right? I don't know. Do you have a lot of, I say, teenagers in your n- neighborhood, or
1: generally not? Nah. Uh, I mean, uh, not a huge number, but enough to to. Well,
2: let to me ask you: Did you fire off any?
1: I did not. Okay. We were tempted to. We almost did, but we we, we didn't the end of the night nah we didn't
2: i just remember the way back you know when i the kids were living we'd go down to those stores living wow. with you living
1: with you you said living
2: yeah living with clarification us in, in these the kids household. are still alive yeah they're didn't, alive didn't, didn't yes. want y'all thinking something terrible had yep, happened thank you they're all spread out now but yeah there'd be that pressure to get down to the uh, fireworks store buy one get four free or something like that and we'd we'd fire them off in our neighborhood and we had a lot of kids in our neighborhood, and that they participated in that, but those those were back in the 80s, you know. So
1: I I would think with you always looking for a deal, that shopping for fireworks is right up your alley, because there's always a great deal on fireworks. There's always the buy one Correct. get
2: two free. Oh and yeah, stuff. yeah. Well, I I just remember that when I was seeing signs the other day, they were doing. Uh, I was a news report, and I saw the sign "Buy one get four free" or something like that. And that's I started remembering back to the 80s when, you know, we'd collect them, and you know, I had friends who had firework stores going and like i said it, it wasn't uncommon there were a couple of football coaches so who invited me and say come on well you know come and buy some fireworks have you have you always been
1: a conscious shopper for sales or is that just something that started you know i was but
2: i'm not now it, it's not back when when i first moved here i was and first of all wait a minute i'm not even a shopper
1: yeah, but you're always talking about good deals, or this yeah. one. The, hey, there's a good deal here. Is a good deal I think that's an there.
2: exaggeration on my part. I don't really. I don't shop. The only thing I shop for would be food. My wife handles all the shopping. I don't even go into any stores unless I have to. But
1: for when you see a good deal, you're get you get excited.
2: Yeah, not re- well. Back then. I had to because you know, we weren't <laughs> we weren't making much money back then. Now I don't worry about it. Now I don't have because
1: uh, you can't f- hide money. You just got it
2: all stashed. Uh, pretty much stashed. Big bucks, Lee. You're right. Yeah, it's just uh, just bulging, right? Well, when I um, hey now no, it's just uh, I don't handle our finances, so I don't even. Worry I'm about learning
1: anybody. something new about you every day. Lee. That's good. Are you gonna? You're, but you're not gonna tell me what I really want to know today. What's that? Why you're anti-white? Sure. Oh, I'm
2: not going to get into that. That w- that was way way back. I I just no. A- as Nick pointed out, I, I like darker colors.
1: Yeah, you you want to you want to say what you? He agreed with the statement. He did. No, you agreed with Nick's statement I did, when yeah. you when Nick said he was right. Yeah. Thanks, Lee. Oh, you're not going to tell everybody what you said.
2: What'd you say?
3: That once you go black, you never go back.
2: That's what he said,
3: all right, and Lee agrees with that. Yeah, that's why he doesn't wear white shirts. Right.
2: I think you hit. You started right on it. Uh, I did get spots on them.
1: So, but but you seem like you have a deep seated like hatred for white shirts.
2: Okay. Did, I prefer not to wear them.
1: Right. Right. That's a that's a very nice way of I saying. I wouldn't say it's a
2: hatred. I just don't. I like don't know. Wearing you seem it. pretty adamant. I'm sure there's things that you don't wear. You don't like wearing. Right. I mean, we all have likes and dislikes. Nick, don't you have likes and dislikes in clothing? I have opinions, yes.
1: But you gave me all those white shirts. I thought just because you didn't need them anymore, but it was because no, they were white.
2: But they were white. See, like I, if... well, it's weird. No, okay. it's not that I didn't need them. I, I wouldn't give you my blue ones or my dark colored ones. That's
1: true friendship right there. Okay, yeah. I just, I didn't know if there was some sort of like s- other reason besides the fact that you just. They stain easy.
2: That's pretty good reason right there.
1: But not the reason. So there's intriguing. A, there's other, there's other so reasons. much there, so many layers of, of Lee. We're just trying to peel a layer back every once in a while oh, just to I find think, out who the guy
2: is yeah,
1: behind the exterior.
2: Well, it's you know, going to that what you said I went to the Michael Rubin party. I don't remember it, but I'm sure it was a good party. Yeah.
1: All right, Chris Stewart's going to join us next. Richie Riley Day 30. Stay with us. The opening kickoff, hour number three, coming up next, right here on the Sports Station.
0: This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff, kickoff, kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Eight oh four. Happy post
1: July Fourth. Hope you and yours had a happy and safe holiday. We're back at it here on the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee coming up at eight thirty. South Alabama basketball coach Richie Riley.
2: Ah, uh, but now we're going to talk to uh, Chris Stewart. Uh, voice of the uh, Crimson Tide, but especially in basketball and in baseball, and, of course, just completed a, a successful run with the Alabama uh, football team. Chris, how are you doing, my friend?
10: Guys, I'm all right. I hope you're doing well.
2: We are. What was your July 4th like?
10: I would love to give you this this great, you know, all-American patriotic story of, uh, you know, lake or the pool and then, you know. Barbecue with family and, and all that didn't fireworks show. Truth is, I felt like garbage with uh, sinus stuff for a couple of days. So I was in the bed, by and large, or in the recliner watching TV. It was not a very festive fourth for me, but it was all right.
1: Living the, living the dream. Living the dream
2: oh, on America's yeah.
10: birthday. Just got to get a new dream. Yeah. <laughs> got to get a new dream.
2: Did you, uh, by chance, tune in Brandon Miller's summer league debut?
10: I did. I uh I, I missed the beginning where apparently he got fourteen fouls in about three minutes and uh that's only a slight exaggeration. So it wasn't on. I thought, well he's he's probably not playing. And then uh my son came in, my eighteen year old said, Oh that he's he's in, but he's he's close to six fouls already and didn't realize you got ten in the summer league. So we uh we got to watch a little bit, saw him make the great play, the the highlight reel play and uh, you know i'm not i'm not going to base what his nba career will be on a uh on his first summer league game but he uh it was good to see him in an nba uniform although i prefer to see him very 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 selfishly and it's ex- exclusively selfish to say i'd love to still see him in an alabama uniform but he's he's where he needs to be
2: you've got quite a uh basketball schedule coming up if, if everything i read is correct with some of the places you're going to and the teams you're facing i i'll say this nate, yeah. nate doesn't uh duck anybody does he
10: no he doesn't and it's it's really fun and, and if you've got it in front of you, you may need to prompt me on a couple of these but i know that arizona is is one that's been talked about a lot uh you know playing in phoenix against arizona and then uh the the trip to canada to play purdue uh playing in toronto would be a, a really cool thing and um i'm really pleased that that falls on a date where even if alabama's in the sec championship game there won't be a conflict and i'll be able to to do that one so uh that's one of the canadian city it's been a long time long time since i've been to canada at all but uh toronto was one that i never got to check off the list when i was back a thousand years ago when i was the stats guy for birmingham's uh, canadian football league radio broadcast and and followed them around the continent it was a it was a cool season but Toronto was not one I got to experience
2: I guess this is more personal but because of the difficulties I've had in securing a passport uh, I assume when you go on a trip like that everybody I mean who takes care of that with the players making sure they all get passports to go to Canada uh,
10: you know that, that's a good question I'm sure that you know you've got either director of operations you uh, Josh Pierre's probably got that assignment among others. There's probably multiple people checking because the last thing you want to do is get ready to get to the airport and suddenly three of your starters aren't uh, aren't able to get into international uh, territory. So hopefully that'll all be handled. But yeah, that's that's one I got to get done here pretty quick myself.
2: Uh, Chris Stewart, and when Chris is on, he's presented by Dex Imaging. We appreciate them coming aboard and allowing Chris to be a, a guest with us uh, every Wednesday. So when are you going to be back up and doing things uh, from that? I, I think, as you uh, said, the sinus?
10: Oh, yeah, I'm fine. It's it's not a uh, – <laughs> I hesitate to even bring it up when, when you consider some of the stuff I've dealt with, but it's just typical cold stuff, but not uh, – maybe a little bit of a fever, not a big deal. But uh, just trying to stay away from the family, keep from getting them sick, and and uh, then I'll be back out on the golf course, losing to my 12-year-old again soon.
2: Do you watch professional golf a lot?
10: Yeah, I do, and and I always enjoyed watching it. But especially now, as as I've talked about with him and his interest in it, we we tend to do it a lot. So um, yeah, it's it's been really cool, and watching Ricky win last weekend was knowing. How well respected he is personally, and and uh, the way he goes about his business. You pull for good people, and uh, he certainly falls. Everything that I have heard and read about him, he falls into that category, and he's an easy guy to pull for when when things go his way, and they haven't a lot in recent years, and so that's good to see.
2: You know, you had mentioned about the game with Purdue. Of course, they have Edie back. It's too bad you did have Betty Acro back. Yeah. That would have been a nice yeah. matchup.
10: No doubt, and and with him being a Toronto native, I can't help but think, and I hadn't talked with Nate about it, but I can't help but think that that wasn't part of the thinking, is that, all right, you know, if you'd put uh, Vegas money on it, you probably would have said Edie would not be available for Purdue. He would have gone to the draft, and that Betty would be there for Alabama. So so advantage Crimson Tide, at least in the post in that regard, but it's not – It's not the case. That's still going to be a great trip. It's going to be a great opportunity. The exposure, again, that the program will get on a national or international to uh, playing uh, on the other side of the border. But to get that type of exposure and opportunity will be really, really special. But it would have been nice to have uh, Charles get a chance to play in front of the the home folks again, and and to have him in that Alabama uniform, it would have been a major help.
2: Chris, as you know, uh, SEC Media Day is coming up in Nashville, so we're sending our producer, Nick, specifically to interview uh, Nick Saban. He's guaranteed that he's going to get in uh, one-on-one with Nick. Uh, Have fun with that. Nick versus (laughs) Nick. What uh, uh, Any suggestions on a question or two, or how to go about this?
10: Yeah, spend some time with... uh, you know, if you've got a chance with with uh, Mobile PD with their bomb squad, you know things. You know, how to work with them on not setting off explosives. That's that's something I would recommend at least a week's worth of training uh, before you go deal with them. That's, that's no, I'm kidding. It's, you will know, be fine. Just you know, don't ask hypotheticals. Uh, be prepared. And, uh, and be as brief as possible. Put it on the tee and get out of the way.
1: Yeah, I hesitate because uh, our Nick is is hoping to pepper Saban with questions about why is it that other people can't use the public restroom when he's in there. Uh, I don't think it's going to go the way he thinks it's going to go.
10: Well, here's my guess. Coach will have absolutely no clue what he's talking about. Yeah. Because it's not as if Nick Saban's going, "Hey, get everybody out of the restroom before I go there." I yeah. think that is that is somebody else's determination long before he gets there that we're going to, for lack of a better term, secure the perimeter. <laughs> uh, and I bet he doesn't. I bet he doesn't have a clue that any of that's going on.
1: Yeah, you, you don't. So you don't think he's like walking in there, going, "Man." There's never anybody in here when I come in here, especially in Hoover. Yeah, I don't understand I, it.
10: I wonder if he even notices. Yeah, uh, I mean it could be, but I look, man. He he's probably oblivious. Yeah. Well, that.
2: Chris Nick's game plan is to ask Coach Saban questions that are totally irrelevant from football. Questions that he would never think would be asked of him. And and as Mark said, that was one of them about the, being the the sole let's say, uh, guest at a restroom without anybody else being allowed in. So he's trying to come up with questions that maybe throw him off guard a little bit. What do you think?
10: It's not a, it's not a bad strategy. Um, you know, I asked him the, the first time I was a guest on Hey Coach with him or the first time I was a media guest on Hey Coach. This was the Thursday before the blackout game at Georgia, okay? And I ran it by Jeff Puritan, who was his media guy at the time, and I said, here's the first, because back then you got the first, middle, and last question of the night. I had the middle question that was not a football question. And, and Jeff liked it. He said, yeah, he'll love that. I said, Coach, what's outside of family and football, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? He said, wow, that's kind of tough. And I said, I'll tell you what, while you're thinking of yours, I'll give you mine. And he hadn't looked at me all night. I mean he talked to me, but he hadn't turned and actually looked me in the eye at any yeah. point. So uh I said, uh, I said, well, I'll give you mine while you're thinking. He goes, All right. And I said, uh, got to sing a verse of my girl on stage with the temptations. And his head snapped sideways and he looked me dead in the eye and he goes, You're kidding. And you know, it was suddenly like you have my attention. Yeah. So uh so I dropped that one on him. And then he 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 was able to trumpet, you know, playing backstage with the uh, oh gosh, Glenn Fry, I'm drawing a blank. Help me. The Eagles. Yep. Uh yeah. Backstage with the Eagles with Belichick and playing golf with Tiger Woods, Trump's getting to sing My Girl on stage with Temptations, but barely. Barely. Yeah. I'll say that.
1: Hey. You competed with the goat there for a second. I I mean that's that's I a did. legitimate I had competition. Him for a second. That's like that's like being within two hot dogs of Joey Chestnut right there, my friend.
10: That is uh there I, I think that's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Perfect analogy.
1: Hey, uh great stuff as always. Chris love visiting with you, man. Uh I hope you had a good 4th. Enjoy the rest of the week and we'll do it again soon
10: guys i appreciate you both yep. thanks so much
1: that's chris stewart the voice of the crimson tide all right scoreboard traffic and weather are next uh you guys can jump in south alabama basketball coach richie riley will join us at 8 30 got a little news of the weird maybe we'll maybe we'll come back with a little news of the weird it, it happened kind of locally i don't know if it's weird It just biz- no it's pretty it's pretty bizarre share that with you you guys can jump in 694-1055 the opening kickoff here on a Wednesday stay with us
2: I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN you're listening to WNSP 105.5 keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile
0: What the Padres can be is corner where
1: a high fly ball. All right, it's 823, boys and girls. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. So you're mentioning the the Peachtree run. This woman, there's video of this woman. They're down the final, like, home stretch. It's a road r- race, right? There are barricades on each side of the street, right? And their are fans kind of watching. And as you said, the, the police escort right in front, veers off at the last minute down the street to the right and she gives chase she follows despite the fact that one she's won this race before and two there's a huge banner hundreds of yards ahead of her that says finish and so she takes off down the side street in the video the, the 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 runner behind her actually takes two steps like she's gonna follow her and realizes that she's going the wrong way and continues going straight. Meanwhile, there's this huge guy in a big red shirt screaming at her to get back on the track, so or on the on the on the course. So the the runners two and three keep going, and then out of the corner of the camera angle, you see her coming back around the corner, realizing her mistake.
2: She lost, came in third. No, I did you. Was there any audio of her being interviewed afterwards? No. Okay. No. Those are the toughest uh, interviews I've ever had to do after a a road race, because first of all, and this was when we had the the Azalea Trail Run, when I used to cover it, so you'd be running after, you know, how the runners come, but they don't just stop there. They keep going for a while, you know, after they've finished the cross line. So I'd run after them, and then I'd have the tape recorder out there, and you could barely understand what they were saying because obviously they were out of breath. I mean, you know, how, what kind of an interview are you going to get after somebody's run, what, 10K or 5K or something like that? So, yeah, those usually, they were difficult. Tough, tough break. And for what made it even more difficult if they were from Kenya.
1: Yeah. I just have visions of you in your sweatshirt with your your 12-pound tape recorder <laughs> running after a guy that just won a 10K Uh, trying to track down a comment.
2: It wasn't worth it, Mark. Yeah. The worst experience I ever had, though, was in Pensacola. When I was working there at Mm -hmm. that PBS station, they assigned me to do a documentary on the race they have in Pensacola. And basically what the race was on a Saturday, and they were going to run the documentary or the feature, let's say, I think it was like an hour or 90 minutes or something like that, that night. So I had I was in charge of putting everything together. So we had a camera person on the truck. You know how the, the truck is going, yep. and they're, they're kind of a pace car, the pace car, very good. Sure. Yeah, thank you, very. A- and they are taking care very of the, uh, the, the the documenting the runners and so forth, and getting all the video that I would need. Right, right. It sounded simple, very simple, very simple, very. Except for one little thing, which was the cameraman instead of putting the camera on the pot had it on his shoulder. When we got back to the studio, you couldn't make out. It was going back and forth. It was like being in a plane. And a little tried- motion sickness. Oh, there. it was ridiculous. So I had to call. I called uh, the sportscaster over at the uh, Channel 3, uh, the ABC affiliate, and he lent us. We got on the air five minutes before. Airtime
1: you did a 90 minute documentary oh, it was awful on a
2: road race on a road race yikes that sounds like compelling stuff it's a PBS station mark <laughs> this is like, we, believe me we we didn't show up in the ratings I'm sure but I was a nervous wreck because like I said you know it was supposed to go on I, I'm guessing what 10 o'clock at night and we were done at 9.55 or something like that because all of the video that our lead cameraman got was r- useless hmm Okay. You uh, ever been in a road race? I haven't, but I, I have
1: a run in a race. You, yeah, yes, not a ten k.
2: No, no, five. Yeah. Mobile or New Orleans?
1: Uh, I don't know if I've ever done one here. Uh, it's been a minute since I've competitively run, but yeah, I've done them. Uh, all right, so we're gonna talk to Richie Riley coming up. I don't, I don't know if we have time to get to this. We may have to wait till after, but I'll, I guess I'll mention it. What was the segue you had, Nick? About dogs. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't recall. I think, I think you said something about from
3: downing dogs to what? I thought that was you. No, I'm pretty sure that was you. Mm, I don't know. I'll have to look back at the tape. But so I'm pretty sure you brought that up, and I said, "No, nah, Mark, don't, don't say that, and definitely don't blame me for saying." that.
1: Right. It. That's exactly what happened because you have this uncanny ability to, to, to. Uh, to decide what goes on there and what doesn't all right well theodore man was arrested on dolphin island monday uh he's accused of drowning his dog which
2: did you dude say drowning? Be the, did you say drowning
1: i did say drowning um deserves a chair quite frankly but the reason he gave for it is just the most bizarre thing i've ever heard we'll share that with you at the end of our show how about that meanwhile nick and i will decide who was the one that was so clever with the segue the lowly little guy that hosts or the producer slash program director slash board (laughs) up slash board (laughs) up all right richie riley is next right here on the sports station wnsp and wnsp.com it's the opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. We are efforting uh, South Alabama basketball coach Richie Riley. We'll let you know when we get him. Uh, So I'll say this. So here's the reason why this guy apparently uh, drowned his dog. He said the dog had fleas and was trying to get rid of the fleas.
2: How asinine is that? Uh, uh, beyond asinine. Get him, Lee.
1: Uh, some people actually saw it happen. Called police.
2: Did all right. Was the dog saved? No. Oh, jeez. How about that? It's craziness, right? You wait a minute. So as I listen to you, you, the dog, this guy, this nutso, drowns his dog to get rid of fleas. Yep. Okay. I don't know what more can be said. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. Um way beyond cruelty, obviously. And don't they have products out there for fleas? Yes. Have I not seen advertisements or signs, pet stores, any store for fleas? That's an odd word, advertisements. You use
1: that word a lot. I mean, it's not wrong. It's just it's one of those words I just don't I rarely I think you're the only person I've ever heard you use that term. What's the difference between an
3: advertisement and an advertisement? I don't know. None. Is it the
1: same word?
2: Ad- I assume it is. Advertisement? I just like it. It sounds more official. Advertis. Yeah, I think that's just saying advertisement. It is. So
1: you, is that a real word, advertisement? I've to heard me, it.
2: To me, it is. I've heard it. I mean, it's not like I made it up. Hmm. It's not like Lee's dictionary is out there and that's that'd be a <laughs> bestseller right there. That would be a good idea. Y- yes, let's work on that. I don't have enough to do. You this could do week. a book
1: signing and uh we could we could we could put it in all the local stores.
2: Do you think I could get Richie Riley to endorse it? He might re- he might write the forward. That's what I mean. Get him yes. to do the forward. Richie, have you ever ri- he's the head coach of the University of South Alabama. Have you ever been in a book or written the forward for a book?
4: I've been asked to before I, um, I, I i didn't I've never done it, but I've been asked to a couple of times you know it's a two two prong thing you know I feel like I was like worthy enough to write a really good Ford because the book looked like it was gonna be really good, and then the other one is like you don't want to write a Ford for a book that is <laughs> <it's> something crazy <laughs> so that, I um uh, I, I've never done it. I, I've declined um, each time.
2: I and I really enjoy reading books while I'm working out. Sports books. I've read quite a few lately. I read the Lebron book by Benedict. I've read the Pete Maravich biography. Of all the books you've read, which which stands out, or does any better than the next one?
4: I'm not like a a big book reader. Like a lot of coaches um really enjoy reading a good book. I'm not really am not really that guy. I mean I don't like dislike reading books, but I don't I don't really know what would be my number one book. It's tough. Um now my my boys really like to read. I I don't read like that. You know, I read Twitter a heck of a lot more than I read books, so I, I don't I don't really know I'd have to think about it. I don't know. I've read some good books in my time, but
2: All right, let there's me ask none
4: at the moment that really stick. I do want to read that Tiger Woods book, though.
2: Yeah, okay, so let me ask you this. Uh, you came up through the ranks, and I believe one of your first starts was with Cliff Ellis. Have you read any of his books?
4: No, but I've pretended that I've read a, a lot of his books. You make, uh, sure actually,
1: I, you, you, you make sure it's on the shelf when he comes to visit. What'd you say? You make sure it's on the shelf when he comes to visit.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt. And when I, when I was trying to get the job, I, I act like I was fully, fully dove into to all those books. Uh, he, you know what he told me when I first started working for him, I was like 25 years old. He told me that I need to start writing books that, you know, that it would really help my coaching career to be a published author. He would, he would say uh, he's, he's the best man. He, Talking about coach, man, he's an, he's an author, a gourmet cook, a musician. He he does a little bit of everything. I, I'm not that talented. I, I stick to the basics of being a basketball coach and doing the best I can at that.
1: So if you weren't a basketball coach, what would you be doing right now?
4: Me and Jeff talk about the head a lot, like sometimes from time to time. Uh, I don't know. I think – I think I – think I would probably be selling cars in Eastern Kentucky somewhere. Uh, I, I think I think I would have really dove into something like that. I'd be doing that, playing some slow pitch softball on the weekends, uh, living a real laid back life. I, I, I'm one of those people. I don't think you know some people they want to travel the country and they want to do all this stuff. I think I'm I'm one of those people. If I didn't coach basketball. I would probably just live in one place my whole life and rarely come out of there. Take a couple vacations. That'd be about it.
1: Living off Jess's bank account.
4: Yeah, that would. Yeah, living living off living off that. She'd get she'd get rid of me then. I've got it. I got to be able to bring something to the table. She does every single thing for us, so I got to bring something to the table. You know. So luckily she keeps me around.
1: All right. So you don't read books. You read Twitter though, but have you have you have you hit your uh, your new limit on tweets? Have you gotten hit with the whole Elon Musk uh, rate limits?
4: What what is that? It was doing that the other day. Is is that like a thing that's going to be there for good moving forward, or is it was it just a glitch in the system or something? I've not seen it since the other day. No, I think I'm- It was.
1: It was supposed Saturday to be maybe, a yeah. It was supposed to be a temporary thing, but people are still having issues with it. Uh, I he he announced it was just a temporary thing, but I know you're a big consumer of news on Twitter. That might be an issue for you moving forward, Coach.
4: Yeah, it was really frustrating me because I kept trying to update Twitter to see what was going on because free NBA free agency is going on. And there's golf going on, and then obviously recruiting is nonstop. So it, it constantly gives me updates on that. And I was getting frustrated. I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was my own phone for a minute, and then I realized it was going on everywhere. But they can't get that fixed. Since he took over Twitter, it's not been as good. Um, but there's been a lot of frustrating things. I hope they can get everything lined out. Uh,
1: I know we're goofing off because that's normally what we do when you come on, but how? How uh, talking about Twitter, how important is social media this day and age for you specifically, when it comes to just recruiting, I know we talk about getting your brand out there. All coaches do that, but from a recruiting standpoint, it's really, I got to believe the main way you guys communicate with potential recruits, right?
4: I think it adds a lot of excitement. If you do a good job on your basketball Twitter and, you know, your own Twitter and you do a lot of different things. Kids love that. Yeah. And, they want to see, you know, the videos of your practices. You know how we post that stuff and weight room and all the gear, guys. You know, all the, just all the different stuff. And I think I think we do a pretty good job with ours of, you know, showing our brand. You know, constantly talking about burning the boats and and what what our guys are doing. And you know, I, I think we do a good job of that. I think I think it's cool too. You can see kids. You know, they. If a kid's retweeting all your stuff, you know, you know they got you know, some interest. Some of them have profile pictures of burned the boats up and it's you know, so you know that they really have, have interest. you can get a read a little bit off of it. Uh but the most the most important the the biggest thing I get out of it is just the information. You know, I can remember I can remember when I first started coaching back twenty years ago almost, in order to find out if a dude transferred they had the ESPN like wire, like yeah. like a waiver wire. They would they would put it out there, and that may be five days after they transferred or something, you know. And now, you know when a kid's been offered. You know when a kid hits the portal within minutes, and that type of information is is really valuable to be able to just get on your phone and have a constant feed of information of what's going on out there.
2: Richie, I don't know if you've uh, been following, well, they just started, so there haven't been many of the summer league games, the NBA games. A couple of things I'd like you to comment on. I didn't realize this until the other night that players get 10 fouls. Would you like to see college basketball uh, move from five fouls upwards a little bit?
4: Ten's too many, but six. I like six. I would love to have six, like the NBA, give them that extra foul so we can keep the best players on the court. Ten, I, I agree with 10 in the summer league, though, because just, they're just out there trying to get a look at the rookies, trying to get a look at some guys that are, you know, potential two-way guys or, you know, guys that they may want to bring in to, to camp in the fall. So I, I don't mind 10. I don't, I don't even know why you would foul out in summer league. And Brandon Miller got a few fouls the other night. He's yeah. like eight
2: fouls, I think. The other thing is the flo- they're experimenting with a flopping rule. Uh, we talked about that during this show, giving the other team uh, free throw and possession. I I would ask you, and this is just experimentation now in the summer league for the NBA. Would you like to see a rule like that in college basketball? A flopping rule, and is it prevalent? Is flopping prevalent?
4: Yeah, it's really prevalent. I, I would like to see that that there be some type of punishment for the, for the flops. I think we need to get rid of that. I think it causes a lot of injury, especially flopping on your shot. I think I've talked about that on there before. But yeah. the young guys that jump up and throw their legs out and flop, I think it causes a lot of injury. You guys can test those shots and land on those guys' feet and roll an ankle. Uh, I, I think we definitely need to do it. and I, I think I think we have – we 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 offer a tactical. I think on a flop shot. I don't know that we do it. Yeah, we do too. I think after after one, I think we do it as a tactical on a flop on a charge or an on-ball charge or anything like that too. I think.
1: Uh, he's Richie Riley, uh, the South Alabama basketball coach. He joins us here on WNSP. All right, did the uh, Rileys uh, shoot off some fireworks yesterday? What did we do? We grill out. We do some hot dogs. What did we do for uh, America's birthday, Coach?
4: yeah we had we we went to uh we started off on the golf course for about four and a half hours like we always do it's everyday grind gotta do that and then we had had cook out with some friends we spent most of the day doing that swimming and hanging out and then last night we got got back home and had our fireworks and um we we had a blast. It was it was Rushman's first fireworks show that he could remember. Now we don't shoot the ones way up high in the air, the big boys. We don't really do that. We got some some sparklers, some Roman candles, the poppets that you throw down. Those are a big hit. Rushman because he would still be throwing those poppets down if, yeah. if if we would have let him. He would he would have spent all night doing that. Um, but but yeah, we we had a blast. The thing we didn't get that we got to get. I don't know if you guys have seen them, but the Poop Dog Fireworks. Have you ever heard of that?
1: I can't say I'm familiar with the Poop Dog Fireworks, but I got to be honest. I'm intrigued. Please, elaborate.
4: So so what you do, we found them a couple of years ago. It was when the boys were, it was when Reese and Rock were really young. And it, and it's like a dog, a little, like, cardboard dog. Oh, okay. And you light it. And it, it was crazy. And then. Then poop comes out. It's it's hilarious. So we may <laughs> extend the Fourth of July. I got I'm gonna get everybody I know on on the job today to find to find me a bunch of those because we couldn't find them yesterday, and that's a tradition in the Riley house. So I gotta find some. So we'll extend one day and we'll set off set off some of those poop dog fireworks.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure Lee knows how to respond
2: oh, I, I don't have a response to that I,
1: That sounds like a job for your director of ops man. To get him on the, uh, the On the fireworks
2: The poop and dog yeah, I've fireworks got,
1: I've got
4: a, I got a lot of guys that are That are in the office in there You know when, when it's something random Like that yeah. I usually offer up a, a, a bounty for it, a reward So there'll be a lot of those young guys scrambling around trying to find that for me today
1: Oh, okay. So if I if if one of my kids is MIA, I know where he's where he's where he's at. Where what he's looking for?
4: Yeah, Hi- Heimer may be
1: scouring.
4: <laughs> he may be scouring Mobile and <laughs> <in> Baldwin <laughs> County trying to trying to find <laughs> the collection <laughs> of
1: poop dog fireworks.
2: That'll that'll look, all over the place. that'll today. look that'll look good on his resume. Yeah, uh, that's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now you know, as your guys get older, man, they're gonna have to up the ante. You're gonna have to move to like mortar shells and all sorts of craziness on the Fourth of July.
4: Yeah, it'll be interesting because my my boys have different personalities. Like Reese is more he's more cautious and doesn't he doesn't like you know all the fireworks as much as Rock. Like Rock is more bold and he likes stuff like that. And we'll see about Rushman. I think he's going to be more on the side of enjoying um, stuff like that. So we'll we'll see. It's you know when you got three of them, they all got different personalities. So. Just trying to figure out what we're gonna be doing. It's like roller coasters too, we're getting ready to go to Disney. It's gonna be interesting. Who wants to ride the bigger ones, who doesn't? It's you know, you find out something new anytime you
1: take on a new adventure when you got young kids. All right, so what parks are you hitting in Disney? You hitting them all? We play
4: over I don't know the name of the parks, but we play like ten minutes. The it's a nine and ten world. Ah. Uh, Under Armour World. So we played, and um, I don't know the names, but we're definitely going to Toy Story. Okay. Because Rush loves Toy Story. And we went when the boys were smaller, and uh, we enjoyed that. And, you know, I don't I don't know the names. Now, I will tell you this. Yes, she likes to play in the head. I'm more of a just fly about see my Fans type dude, as you guys know. <laughs> she She has purchased like a 45-page book that somebody on Instagram wrote. And it is how to experience the best Disney with your kids. It's supposed to be a phenomenal deal. Uh, So she's bought that. So I'm sure... I'm sure she's going to have us locked in, ready to go, because you do have to have a plan. If you don't have a plan when you
1: go there, you're in trouble. Right. She's got a and scouting she report. She She's she scouting the yeah. opponent.
2: I can second th- that. That's good, because I remember the first time we went, I did read a book on that, and it paid off immensely as far as times to go for lunch to avoid big crowds and things like that, and, and, and how to plan your day so that you're not always online. It, it turned out to be very helpful.
4: Yeah, that's what they. That's what they say. So, Jess is Jess is going to take care of that for us. I'm going to do as I'm told, like I normally do. Um, make sure I make sure I stay in line. Don't mess anything up. she she'll she'll have us on point. She'll. Uh, and and the boys are excited about it. Reese is really excited about it going down and competing in the world. And uh, everybody's excited about Disney.
1: All right, so before we let you go, because he's—I know—we'll have some time probably before he starts competing in Worlds. But do you, how do you get him ready for Worlds? Do you, do you pop in a little Happy Gilmore, a little Caddyshack? Like, what's the, uh, what's, how, how do you motivate uh, young uh, Mister Riley there to uh, prepare for Worlds? He
4: doesn't need a lot of, he doesn't need a lot of motivation. He's self stories. He's he's ready to go play right now. I think. But yesterday we watched the 2008 U.S. Open uh, when Tiger, Tiger, and and Rocco went went to the extra 18 holes. We watched that. Um, we watch a ton of golf, and it, it gets him fired up. And same thing with Rocky. He's six. He plays in another tournament tomorrow. He's been playing his tail off. Um, he's he's getting better and better. So we we just kind of it's a, it's a everyday deal, man. And they enjoy it. You know, they they enjoy it. I don't have to do a whole lot. They're, they're figuring it out. I'd probably mess them up more than I'd help them anyway if I actually tried to tried to critique too much of their game. I just keep it real basic, and, and they're really really having a good time with it.
1: Coach, uh, enjoy, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk before then, but uh, and I hope you had a great Fourth. You and the family. We always appreciate you jumping aboard, and and we will be on the lookout uh, for uh, said fireworks. Uh, and if anybody here in the WNSP listening area can locate them and get them to us, we will get them to you. How's that?
4: Yes, I, I appreciate anybody that's part, part of the mission. That's that's July 5th. That's the mission for the day, so keep me posted,
1: guys. <laughs> Will do. Thanks, Richie. We appreciate it. Enjoy it. Later. That's uh, Richie Rye, ladies and gentlemen. Learn something new every day. Poop dog fireworks, Lee. Get on it. You got a little puppy now or that comes to visit?
2: Yeah, 3.30 this morning I'm out with the puppy. Really? Yes no okay. fireworks just you know what the other word <laughs> that's
1: the whole point of getting up at three thirty. there better be fireworks to get dogs getting you up at 3 30 in the morning all right one final segment we'll say goodbye set the table for the rest of the day and all that good stuff it's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station wnsp
7: hi this is blake stein former spring hill badger and kansas city royal and you're listening to wnsp sports radio
1: segment here as we say uh goodbye but fear not we will be back uh tomorrow
2: at 6 a.m
1: what you got cooking for tomorrow we're going to be joined by riley
2: leonard tomorrow riley leonard's going to join us from duke thoughts on the uh, manning camp but more so about the uh, season coming up for the duke blue devils paul feinbaum is also scheduled and eli gold so that's for starters how about that
1: for starters that sounds like a whole show pretty much Man, it's almost as many guests as we had on our Monday show. We had like uh, two.
2: No. that You didn't even have two? No. We had John Ricchetti. Travis wasn't on? No. He was not. How about that? That shows what happens when I'm not here. They just don't want to talk to you.
1: I think that's probably what it was uh so yeah busy busy day tomorrow so we're looking forward to that uh the uh final drive will be back uh, today as well so be listening for uh Corey and uh mr michael Bronner. they'll be on at three o'clock and uh we'll be back tomorrow for some more fun what's going on tonight anything good i feel like we we're at that point now where people we're getting closer to sec media days it just can't get here soon enough from a headline standpoint
2: Yeah, there has been kind of a shortage of SEC football stories anyway, pretty much speculation, depending on who you subscribe to, who you read, and so forth. There's a lot of talk about LSU football these days. Hasn't been much about Alabama football, but now pretty much the uh, storylines are on recruiting. been a lot of commitments, a lot of offers being made, uh, both in basketball and in football. Uh, I see stories every day that, Auburn target or Alabama target, they're going to announce in a day or two or something like that. So I think that's pretty much what's going on now, Mark, is what's going on as far as verbal commitments and where they're going. I think the uh, central of Phoenix City, a wide receiver, goes to Texas A&M. Obviously had to be a disappointment to Auburn because they felt they had a pretty good shot at him. Also, LSU was after him. So I think in the next uh, week or so, before we get to SEC media days, maybe even more so next week, there's supposed to be uh, several commitments coming down the line. I like it. I like it. All
1: right, uh, Nicholas. Thank you, as always, sir, for for your uh, for your hard work behind the scenes. Much much appreciated. Enjoy whatever movie it is you're going to see today. Thank you. All right, Lee. Yes, sir. We're gonna find out why you don't wear white shirts. It won't be today. May not be tomorrow. May not be next week. But I'm gonna find
2: out. I'll I'll wait till you come back from your vacation. Okie dokie. Fair enough. I don't want to take anything away from that one week cruise.
1: Indeed. All right. That does it for another edition of the opening kickoff for uh, Nick and Lee. I'm Mark. That does it. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then,
0: see ya.